Hi, and welcome to Coffee and Classic Movies by Joshua and Korea. We're husband and wife, and we love to brew and enjoy some coffee and some awesome movies and talk about them. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Coffee and Classic Movies. It is season two. Dose. Season two. And some of you are probably like, what in the world happened to y'all? Nothing. Nothing, nothing and everything. So we we were also... Um, I don't drink coffee during the summertime. Yeah, that was so that was reason number one. And we were trying to also figure out more of like the direction we wanted to go with this podcast. Um, and expand our horizons and what we talk about and how we talk about and, what's... And, and making sure that we we record during the winter time when you're more likely to sit down with a cup of coffee in your hand. Yeah, because so we're, we're kind of crazy. So, yeah, sometimes we would drink... <laughs> no, you would drink hot coffee and it could be 90 degrees, 100 <laughs> degrees outside and you're just surfing on some hot cup of coffee and I'm sitting there like, you're nuts though. Okay. And we're, not, and we're not we're not recording. <laughs> I'm joking. I, we are recording. Oh my gosh. I, I was like, really? Like, this whole But it's okay. Anyway, so we decided uh, what we're going to do with, with Coffee and Classic Movies is that we're going to record between 15 and 20 episodes every season. So we go through late, you know, mid fall through to spring. And then we'll take the summer off because you're not drinking hot coffee. We're not drinking hot coffee. But we're still drinking coffee. Yes. But then we'll come back in and ravine every fall like you do in your TV shows. Yeah. So we like to pair coffees with movies. I know. Kind of weird. But yeah, we're kind of weird. Um, also, we're going to continue to release new episodes on Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So be on the lookout for that. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at coffeeandclassicmovies at gmail.com and address them all to Joshua because I don't want to read the crap. Or you can just go down to the show notes and click on voice message and send us a voice message with your favorite movie or your favorite coffee. And you may hear yourself in the next Coffee and Classic Movie episode. So. So. What? <laughs> You know, Halloween is right around the corner. I think this what we're it's a dark time of what we're gonna talk about is very fitting. We're gonna talk about villains. Talk about some of the greatest villains of all time, or you might sometimes know them as antagonists. And there's a difference between the two, which we'll kind of talk about as well. But before we get into that, we actually had a really good coffee to pair with our villain slash antagonist storyline today. Do you want to share it? Midnight Oil by Blanchard's. Blanchard's, yep. Dark, smooth. And sweet. Yes, just like... Just like me. I'm yeah, sweet. You're okay, yeah, kind of. Hello. Hello. Yeah. And see, the reason why we chose that is because the Midnight Oil, you, bend the, you burn the Midnight Oil at night, and a lot of times villains are seen as dark. They're lurking in the dark. Dark. And, we, we, well, that's always perception, but what we find is some of our top villains do not... Yeah, story stereotypical. But, but in the mid, when you look at them, you see them as darkness. Um, and so, this and what, menacing, menacing, but sometimes sweet. Yeah, and sometimes smooth, and sometimes that's what scares the living crap out of us. Yeah, when we think of them. You so, know, when you have a villain, or so you know, you're watching a movie, and and the villain may not they. 
they're not coming off as like a villain, you know, because they're, they seem very relatable. Like you said, sweet, charming. Um, you know, this seems like a person that lives next door to you. You know, somebody you walk past in the, the grocery store, you know. Um, or, and that's, like you said, that is... Menacing itself. Because it comes unexpected. And and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And before we get started, does anybody know what the number one rated villain of all time is? You said does anybody. It's just me here. Okay, I'm talking about our audience. <laughs> okay. Well, it's Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. Lecter, he's the number one. He is. He takes the, the number one he spot. He is the number one, according to AFI, and of course, everybody else. And you can throw in there, right under him, like Darth Vader and yeah. those type. And those, we consider this, but I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm not disputing that at all. The way that he comes into the movie, and we haven't done Silence and Lambs yet as a film, and which we'll be doing it this season. Um... The way he's introduced into that film is creepy as crap. It's like they threw the jail cell on top of this dude. And that's when you know, you find out he eat, ate his victims. And the way he appears, he seems so charming. But you know he's so bad. And the way he talks. He's always like, he's always up to something. And you just can't pin it. And he and I would totally agree with that. He's very menacing, but yet so relatable in this sense. So yeah. I did some research. Um, I, w- I was curious to know, what are some of the qualities of a villain? What makes us like the villains that we see on some of our, you know, in some of the movies? Um, this source, I think it was from Jerry Jenkins. A villain has many likable qualities, right? And they are clever and accomplished enough that people must lend him or her begrudging respect. Um, they can't be a fool or, or a bumbler. Mm. Um, they are misdirected. Occasionally they're kind and not just for show. They can be merciless, even to the innocent, persuasive, stop at nothing to get what he or she wants. Sounds like our middle daughter, our middle child, who will not stop until she gets what she wants. Um, oh, I just called her a villain. She's not a villain. Keep going. <laughs> um, jealous, vengeful, um... Yeah, they're uh, and also I also looked up. So, what is the difference between an antagonist and a a villain? An antagonist doesn't necessarily have to be evil, um, and then also an antagonist can be a person, place, or thing, um, an idea, a feeling, a, a belief. Yeah, a feeling, something that's opposing. It could be time. You can have a where your character's up against time and time itself is the antagonist. So, yeah. With a villain, you usually find those to be a person. It's a character. And their actions, their motives really are an integral part of the story and what drives the story. And they're technically the opposite of your hero in in a lot of ways. 
their main part is is the opposite. Yeah, anti-hero. Yeah. Some people people say um I I personally have some favorite villains of my own. I do um, too. I'm I'm not I Hannibal Lecter definitely. Yes. Um uh Heath Ledger the Joker. Which I mean, is, it might sound kind of cliche, but I I I like I, what I like. I like I thought he was great because he technically breaks that mold which you read about. Yes, he will stop with the one thing that about that character itself is different is that he won't stop until he gets what he wants. And you really find that and he just wants Batman to kill him. And that's it. And to basically corrupt Batman. Um, he has really no motives. But he there's nothing that's relatable about him. Which yeah, I was going to say, prior to all that, you don't know his backstory. No, you never know it because he he's, lies about it. He's just he's just there. Yeah. Like, he, he shows up on the scene and you just get chaos. Chaos, and, and you, you never know what he's going to do next. Yeah. You think you know, but then you don't know. And it works so well for um for uh, how he... It's it just... that he, That's he one, of, one of my favorites. Um, even though it's not really considered... A classic to some. The movie is considered to be a classic. To some, yeah. but... Well, no, it had... It didn't get the respect from the Academy Award of it, of, at the time because they were anti-comic book movies. But that that movie actually goes beyond comic book. And now it's been more respected by the Academy. He did win an Oscar for his role. Yeah. And everything, too. Deservingly. Yeah. Also, um, one of the things, like, villains have a goal. Um, and... Talking about Heath Ledger and the Joker real quick. Like, we didn't know... It, there was questions about what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Why was he doing what he's doing? And it wasn't quite clear. Yeah. Would you say that that... How would you say that, you know... What do you think about that and how that was done? What do it, you, it, did you feel... It kept you... Left gu- out. And, no. Like, you had misinformation. It, what it did was it kept you guessing, and yet your guessing was never right. So... Yeah. Isn't that scary to not know sometimes what people are thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's sometimes one of the, the, the hardest parts about it is is never knowing. It's always the, they, them being two steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes the painful ones. And see, I'm reminded of another, another one where um, I'm trying to pull this thing up because I'm totally blanking on the character's name. But we did this in our last season and we did um, a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting, sometimes when you talk about villains, I thought the villain was really good because it's talking about replicas, robots. And the main villain, and technically in this story, was Roy, considered to be a villain, right? And what you find in the end is technically not, he wasn't a villain. Mm-hmm. All he wanted to do was live. Yeah. And what you find that who the real villain was is our prejudice towards mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And that technically is the antagonist. And technically it's, it's within ourselves the prejudice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes film does that. And that's what, when they make great about film is that technically the villains you and I and how we see things. We give a body to a lot of these thoughts, these mm-hmm. prejudices, these beliefs um that are oftentimes opposing one another. Yep. yep. And it creates uh, this uh, I believe great conflict that you need in film. Yep. You have was a Darth Vader as one who 
turns out in the trilogy he wasn't even the the villain it was the emperor and yet your hero being the one you thought it was the villain from the very get-go which is really cool film has a great way of doing that and changing it it's in the class of films that we see when they tell a great story it's sometimes villain driven and the twist is the villain themselves mm-hmm. uh javier bardin is another one of my personal For favorites what movie? no country for old men Shizzer, scissors, scissors, sugar. I know I'm butchering it. But he was he kind of reminded me of Joker. There was no pass, no relabel, but he was scary. You respected him. Mm. He was always ahead of you. Yeah, he was. He was big. He seemed big on screen. Um, kind of slow to speak. Slow to speak. He had presence in him. He wasn't this like you know this. A lot of how people think vil- villains are well, are should be are like these big brute characters. He wasn't. Um, who you know have. You know what made him the most terrifying besides the open scene when he strangles the deputy, and he does the, he puts the caliber air gun to the to the driver's head. Yes, that's terrifying. The most terrifying part of him was when he was at the gas station with the glass yeah, the, with the cashier. Yeah, in the quarter. And you're talking about the quarter. That right there, he wasn't just somebody who just killed. He was somebody that is very smart. And sometimes that's one of the most difficult villains when you think about them. They're they're the ones that scare the crap out of you. Yeah, they're smart actually truly smart one. They do a great job of drawing out the suspense. Oh that's playing the mind games. What about we you we didn't talk about this one. What about from Glorious Bastards? I was getting ready to say that. I can't remember his name. What the killer's name? Um, 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 you remember? I couldn't tell you his name. Man, the opening <laughs> scene, the um, opening scene to that movie was. You they said, called him the Jew Hunter. The Jew Hunter, but yeah, and he, oh my God, I'm I'm sorry, but like he was spying because he wanted Oscar Hans Landa, not Landa. and he he wasn't the only one. No, but he was a very prominent. <sighs> figure you didn't know about his past as much either he kind of remind you of that joker stereotype where he was always ahead of the game and you just did that opening scene set him he is way smarter than you think than what he makes you he appears and that is troubling mm-hmm. always troubling mm-hmm. we got i got one for you eve from all about eve no, I know you haven't seen the movie yet. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it. She, if anybody's seen that movie, you know, I'm not going to spoil it because you haven't seen it yet. So I'm not going to dive oh, too well, much into it. thank you, Joshua, because you usually spoil other movies all the time. <laughs> she was terrifying. Mm. And and she was very villainous. And you have to watch it. Um, I think that's where, believe it or not, I believe that Walt Disney got the inspiration for um, uh, the, the villain in 101 Dalmatians. Crew of the Ville mm-hmm. was kind of based similarly off of her character. Yeah. Which she was terrifying in that movie too as well. It was, it's interesting because I was looking at the list. I was curious to know what is, what are, what do people think are the top villains in American films? Um, and overwhelming majority of them are male dominated roles. And, you know, I'm all, all about, you know, I'm not putting down, um, I'm not saying less, you know, less men should be working. 
But it's just interesting because it's like, why why do you see... You have some, some women who... It's just been the way the genre has been... The way films have been filmed yeah, over the years. Yeah. And it's been based off of where you your villain is a male. And the female is more like the woman distress. Um, How and, films of yesteryear. Yeah. yeah and you've seen a change in that more coming where... Not as much as the woman being the villain, but more of the woman being the hero, because you haven't really seen you haven't really seen that switch yet, where the woman is the woman character is the villain, mm-hmm. and that's huge. But like, like I said, when you look at all about Eve, you will see that, you will see this character who is just like, if you know what I'm talking about, you'd be like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I mean. It's crazy because another one comes to my mind is Annie. From what movie? You love the movie. Uh, Annie, Annie, Annie. Yeah. No. No. It starts with an M. Misery. I was. I said it starts with an M. You couldn't even give me. You couldn't even give me some credit for that. Yes, that character was so freaking menacing, man. Yeah. And and that to me was amazing. Kathy Bates did awesome. And if you want to talk about a female alien, a female alien, the alien in Alien is one of the top ones of all time as well. That was a female who was a queen alien. Uh, I'm just trying to go through so the queen from Snow White, Seven Dwarfs. She's on there. One of the best ones. One of the best. One of the best female villains ever is take a guess. Um, the Wizard of Oz. The Witch? The Witch. I thought she was good. There's one that's even better. Oh. Do tell. Nurse Ratchet. Oh. One who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. She was freaking amazing. Is she, is her name, like, on the list? Yeah. Okay. She won Oscar for her role. Yeah, right. Nurse Ratchet. Everybody knows when you see Nurse Ratchet, they just think about some scenes in there. And the movie, which we talked about, go watch the previous episodes when we talk about that. Now, I have two more villains for me. I have I have one that's, uh, I think I have two, but they're not like how um, people would think. Go ahead. Uh, would be considered a villain. Um, I had down here Time from Dunkirk. Yeah. Well, some people would label the Germans as a... The villain in right, that. Right. And and you you'd be partially right. And I would say that technically there's two villains in that. It would be the Germans and it would be the time. Mm-hmm. And if you know Christopher Nolan, is that he loves to use time in his film. It's one of his his thing that he does is yeah. time. From memento I mean any of his movies, Inception, even even the Batman series, is there's time that's involved in it. So Yes, I would say that. Um, yeah, I mean, time is sometimes one of the biggest... It's not really a villain, it's an antagonist. Because it's controlling the narrative. Um, yeah, so you got one more? I'm going to spill my beans, my two. Well, this person, they're not big, bad, and scary, but... Uh, Are you talking about Samuel... Tooth Fairy? Did you say the Tooth Fairy? Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Samuel Norton from Shawshank Redemption... In a way, he, it was like it was himself. He opposed himself. 
Who was the character? What and was, himself. I know, but who, in the movie, in the story, who is he? Morgan Freeman plays Samuel, um, right? Samuel no. Norton. No. Oh my god, no, that's the... Samuel that's, Norton was the... Oh, the warden, right? The warden. Oh god, I had the wrong name down. But, in a way, what makes that even better, what makes that really good, is that he is somebody that you can run across every day of your life. Right. And I, that's what makes it scary. Because it was very real. Um, yes. No, Sam, Sam, oh Sam, um, um, Morgan Freeman's character is named Red. I, yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> it's all good. That's why I'm here. Yeah, that's, yeah. How about, how about this one? And I, I, I'm gonna save the best for last. And I keep talking about this one because I was watching it today and, and I like how the setup is. What do you think of Thanos and Avengers? Fanny War and technically in game, like his, his ghost in a sense. Mm-hmm. in game but as a villain mm-hmm. so like when i first saw him i was like you know he don't scare he don't scare me um but when he opened his mouth that's when i wanted to really listen yeah to what he had to say and i'm like okay what is he gonna say next okay what's he gonna do oh, okay you know i was intrigued by what he had to say yes not by how much he looked yeah and i think that was cool how how the marvel and art Architecturally, architecturally, yeah, putting that character together because his character is technically built up over twenty-one films, Mm -hmm. or twenty films, I think it was, technically twenty films. To or twenty, no, twenty. Wait, is Endgame the twenty-first? Twenty-third, twenty-third, and you have this build-up because the what they did there was they set up Thor, they set up Hulk as some the most powerful Avengers. And Loki is being the one who always defied death. And what you had in the very opening scene is Thor's tail be kicked. Bad. Mm-hmm. You had the Hulk get the snap be out of him. And he did not use the Power Stone. Mm-hmm. And Loki actually gets killed. And the word is no more resurrections. <sighs> but, but... That gets you in the way, oh, this dude's super powerful. Right. But what then they articulate in the film was he that wasn't his greatest strength. It was his passion, his thinking, it, which was in his motivation, was the driving force which made him unstoppable. To so, a po- certain point. No, no, actually, no. Technically... The Avengers could not beat that Thanos. Right. They can only be a young, a younger, more arrogant Thanos in the end game. They could not beat that Thanos. Because his thinking was different his when he thing, was younger. He was more methodical. And it was driven with this passion. The passion was to not let universe fail like his home planet failed. Now, was he, he was going back the horrible way of doing it. But that was his driving force. And so he was more narrow-minded, or said narrow-focused, than his arrogant self. And they could beat the arrogant one. And it would by outsmarting him, because at that time he just used his brute. Where you saw in the opening fight scene with the Hulk, 
he was very articulate where he landed his punches. So that's why I kind of think, and I love that. I love how they set Venoms. But to me, the most, and, and this is the, this is the best villain of all time, and you can really call it an, ag, an antagonist. antagonist, technically, is greed. Now, stay with me here. I'm staying. And it's in the film that we have not covered yet. So I don't want to go in great detail until we actually do the film. And the film is Citizen Kane. The great, the, the greatest antagonist of all time is Greed. Because that was the driving force of the movie's character. Which led down to his downfall. To wanting the one thing that actually brought him joy and was not Greed. And it's, it's interesting to look at that character. Most will say he's the villain. But it wasn't him. It was the greed. And in the moment of his deathbed, he wanted the one thing that made him happy. It wasn't the greed. It was something else. I'm not going to talk about that. You know, you've probably seen the film. Yeah. But to me, it was mm-hmm. one of the best antagonists of all time because it's so relatable. As scary as the Joker may be, as scary as Eve might be, and Thanos, and you can name some of these, Hannibal Lecter. To me, this is the one that's the most relatable. Because how often, what's the most scariest thing? Is somebody being greedy in your life. And taking stuff from you. Destroying you, taking everything you have. And that, to me, is one of the most scariest things. That's what makes it so more relatable. So when you watch the film, it's very scary. It gets you. It gets you because it's very relatable. This conversation reminds me of a conversation that we had, not on the podcast, but at the dining room table. (laughs) Because we usually, it's funny because we usually come up with our ideas and our topics at the dining room table during breakfast or, you know, dinner. But we were talking about the horror genre and the the state of horror films and of course I'd like to go more into that not um, tonight though yeah no no not tonight but just talking about this more reminded me of of that but um but yeah Ooh, nice topic to talk about and look at some of the classic horror movies of all time and, and there's stuff. so many and it's not just US American films like I'm yet to explore more of the foreign um films I, I would what love to what have you been to... waiting for I, oh my gosh. You know, I don't know. It's okay. L- there's been so much that's been going on. Plus we'll life in life, general. Life, kids, happiness. business. Pursue happiness. Business and more business. and <laughs> But um, it's fun. I'm glad that we're back and we're getting into the swing of things. And thank you for being so patient and just and favoriting. I, I see some people have favorited the podcast, which is awesome. Thank yep. you for listening and supporting. Um. Yeah, it's only only up from here, right? So, while you're listening, though, share with us your favorite villains. In, in, in one minute, do a voice message, go in the show notes, go there and tell us your favorite villains of all time. Or your favorite villain, because you only have a minute to record. And we'll play it in our next coming episode. So, until next time. Dish the dirty popcorn and brew yourself a nice hot cup of coffee and enjoy yourself a classic movie. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to Coffee and Classic Movies. We hope you can join us next Saturday. We like to drop new episodes at 10 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Until next time.